customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. This episode of Hear That Podcast Ground presented by Visa Network working for everyone. Paulie Mc Jr., Jay Morrison working for you, of course, for the Athletic on HTPG. What's up, Jay? Oh, I'm just counting down the day or the days, the hours until I get on hours. a float. I haven't been to Las Vegas since 1995, and really looking forward to it. Jay, can I count on you to still be there at the game on Sunday? I mean, f- four o'clock on Sunday is a long way from the time you land on Friday. You're going to need money to get to the game, for whether for gas or for a lift. We we should commission one of the other Bengals beat writers to help us out, and that that could be a growler bet. What time will Jay arrive at the stadium on Sunday? Hopefully, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> this is the problem Off with with everybody going to Vegas now. Uh, you know, over these however many years, this in every beat writer group that makes their first trip to Vegas is going to go through this. This like the excitement of the first time where Vegas has a team, you can go and and we find out who's really got the problems. <laughs> the juice comes in, the juice is really rolling, coming in hot. How how do how do these stories? How, who doesn't show up? Who struggles with being in Vegas for a couple of days? I don't know. We're about to learn. Jay, I got my got my concerns. I've got guardrails built in. I mean, I'm going to the Blue Jackets Knights game the night before. So you that, did get you did get Blue Jackets Knights tickets. I got one. Yes, I found one on StubHub Center Ice, second row, uh, for sixty eight dollars. All the other ones are up in the two hundred range. So yeah, I, I guess someone was just trying to dump one. I logged on at the right time and got it. So I should. I, my plan is to stay tame on Saturday night. We'll we'll see how that works out. If you are going to the game, you're in Vegas. I know a lot of Bengals fans, obviously, going on this trip. It's been one that people have been talking about since we knew the team a team was moving to Vegas. Um, everybody enjoy yourself out there. If you're at this hockey game on Saturday night, go make a friend with Jay. He's sitting by himself at a hockey game. 
<laughs> Upper can we, deck. Can we get can we get some people, some fans to come, some some you know friends of the pod to come, you know, have a beer with you or hang out for a second on the concourse? Because can we get you a friend at this game? Just just tweet me that you're there, and maybe we'll meet up between one of the periods. There you go. So send that send that tweet to Jay. He, he, you if you want some time hanging out with Jay in Vegas on Saturday after he's already gone through probably a Friday night bender. I'm gonna guess uh, of of gambling. Maybe a, a Zach Taylor style bender. Actually, that was I was really stunned by that. If people haven't seen that, um, Zach was really open about how much he likes playing craps and 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 gambling and his habits there. And not not that he has a gambling habit, but I don't know. It's it it seems like for professional athletes and coaches even though gambling is becoming more accepted it's kind of still a taboo topic to talk about and it was it was really entertaining to listen to him talk about playing craps and and loving craps and uh his message to himself and to the team is Vegas is still going to be there in February it's still going to be there in March there's that's not what they're going for this weekend so I, I would imagine I don't know what team hotel they're at I would imagine it's one that does not have a casino in the lobby Said he pretty much just goes and does 72-hour craps table. Like, just doesn't leave, <laughs> stays at the craps table the entire time for 72 straight hours, and then gets out of there. Uh, that's some that's some impressive uh, focus, I would say. Uh, so that's that's kind of the backdrop. We'll have all that from Vegas uh, um, this weekend. Uh, we got a lot to get to. I want I got a fun exercise I want to do to get us started here um, and talk a little bit about Zach Taylor actually. And I think focus on this game. We're going to talk turnovers. We're going to talk with uh, our guy Vic Vic Tafer, who has been been covering this insane season. I mean, even by even by normal NFL season standards, the Raiders have been on the wild end of the spectrum between John Gruden and, and Henry Ruggs and everything we've seen. Um, then we're going to do growler bet. We're going to do run passer boots. We've got a few left over that you guys made specifically for Sunday and uh, predictions. So all that's coming your way. Here's how I want to start, Jay, with some news. Uh, you have the news all set up from what we got. Where were we at with news? Uh, well, the big news, I guess, if you want to say, is – the position changes and, and Hakeem Adeniji started against Cleveland, but, but Zach kind of went into more of that yesterday, why they're keeping him there. Um, how, ex how encouraged they are to have him back and, and to, 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 you know, ha make another change there. They, Joe Burrows had a lot of different right guards since he's been here. And, um, they're, they're hoping that, that Adeniji can be the guy that solidifies that position. Uh, the other thing, Eli Apple is uh, going to remain the starter um, at corner. Um, I, it seemed odd that, you know, Zach was talking about one of his uh, strengths is that he has a short memory, which is not ideal. Uh, I mean, yes, you want a corner to have a short memory, but if that's something you're relying on, that, that means that it's, it's happening a little too much. And I don't know, it wasn't really news, but it was, it was interesting to hear from Trey Hopkins about what's going on with him this year. Um, has not played well, and and he's the first one to admit it. He said he's 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 not the same sixty six, and uh, this was was kind of a you know not damned if you do, damned if you don't. But he, he had a decision to make, and it was do the long term ACL recovery that most people do and and see when he would be ready to play or to really set that date of the season opener and, you know, kind of 
rush it a little bit. And, and he's still rehabbing hard on that knee and it has affected his play, but he, he brings so much mentally to, to this offense and his recognition of protections and, and that type of thing that it, 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 even though he hasn't played well, they've, they've stuck with him. And, and the hope is that it's going to start coming around. And he talked about, you know, one thing they started, it was week three was the last time that, that he practiced on a Wednesday and they've been giving him these games off and, and he feels like that's affecting him. It's, it's, it's good for the, the physical part of the knee, but it's, it's not good for the mental part of his game. And he, he just, he feels like he would be better off getting these reps in more reps in practice on Wednesday. And it, it seems like they reached a bit of a compromise there. They, he went limited yesterday. So, you know, it, obviously we don't see any teamwork in the portion open to the media. Not sure exactly how much he did, but they are working him back in more to try to try to get more reps in practice and and see if that'll help him improve his play on Sundays. Um, certainly be something to watch Sunday in Vegas because that defensive line of the Raiders is is pretty formidable and it's it's not just the ends. They can bring pressure up the middle too and uh, going to be a big test for this entire offensive line, but for Adenogy and Hopkins in particular. Yeah, you know, the Hopkins thing, it's hard going and just playing on Sundays. And I don't care who you are. I mean, if you just if you're you're not really practicing at all during the week, that's just a tough transition to make. And I understand what he's had in front of him and how they've tried to manage it, but it's it's just a lot to ask of a guy to basically not practice week in, week in, week in, week in, week out, week out, week out, and then go play well on Sunday. And and especially a guy who's not obscenely, you know, physically talented. You know, I mean, Trey Hopkins mm-hmm. is not some athletic wonder out there. Um, he's long, he's cerebral, He's he knows how to make it work for him. But I, I think they, they kind of figured out that they're going to have to just power a little harder through this during the week to make sure he does still get some reps because it's, it has, it obviously has shown we've discussed that at length. Uh, it's, I, I'm interested to, you know, He's a smart guy and I think understands that it hasn't been good enough. And, and I think that's important to see their approach in the problem and trying to fix it, you know, and, and trying to figure out a different way. And I think may, maybe they'll get different results. Uh, maybe he'll wear down. I don't know. But I think the idea of understanding that we can't just keep doing it the same way and think that I'm suddenly going to start playing better. Um, I, I, th- I think that's uh, um, it's good to see that admission. Yeah. I mean, he said it, too, where the the point of giving him that rest is so that the knee feels better on Sunday. And he said, that's the last concern on his mind. The knee is how the knee feels is at the bottom of the list on Sunday. He said, you're, you're so full of adrenaline and focused on the game plan and the crowd gets you going. He says, you, you don't even worry about how the knee feels. So yeah, the little bit of extra work probably isn't going to change that. And if it's going to make him feel more comfortable in, in terms of feeling more prepared, then by all means, it makes sense. Um, th- this will be the first test. Maybe next week he goes full on on Wednesday, or or maybe it stays limited for a couple weeks, and then they they ramp it up to full after a few weeks of limiteds. But we'll, we'll see. It's he, he is an important piece to this offense, and it, it kind of goes along that what we've talked about forever the no, the no donkey approach. He's he's far from a donkey, um, it, but he, he, the point is he he doesn't have to be that physically gifted 
specimen that you mentioned. He just needs to go out there and be solid, and he's he's fallen a little short of solid so far. Yeah, I mean he's 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 not a donkey. He's lingering. He's like sliding into the pen though. Like he's sliding back <laughs> towards the way he's played. You know, and it's like you can if it goes further down the cliff, then you're worried that you you are playing in with a liability at center. Mm. I, yeah, but I, I don't. You know, you look at them as a whole, which is really what no donkeys is about. As a whole, they've been serviceable enough for the offense to cook pretty well. I mean, d- despite you know they kill themselves against Cleveland with their low output there. Um, they but outside of that, they're racking up thirty points every week right now. And so I, I don't. I, I think they're good enough. They're playing good enough. Trey Hopkins has been good enough for the offense to do what it needs to do, and that's kind of been what the way they've been managing him has been about, but they can still get better out of him and Adenogy, you know, solidifying that right guard spot certainly would be a nice help too, and stop the rotations from happening there. And maybe they find an answer. We'll see. Here's what I want to do though. It's just a huge game this weekend. And we say it a lot. And I, I, I always, I tr- always try to resist going too hard on like, Oh, this is huge. And we talked about my, didn't we, did we talk on air about my idea for the must win armband or was that off, off air? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't where, remember. Where every beat writer has to only gets one must win that they can use <laughs> during a year. You can't, you can't. Once you've used it, you flip over from a blue armband, armband that means you have the must win still in you to the red armband that means you no longer can use must win anymore. You have used it up. You only get it once. Only one must win. <laughs> I'm not using must win. I see it all over the place. I see you people flip your armbands. Uh, but I'm not going to use that, but it's for the tone of it all, of the direction of this season, it feels just massive because of the direction, because of the opponent, because of the bye week, because of what's coming next. There's so many things. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're going to reset and we're going to do two separate fake walkout opens. Just the open of a walkout. One after a potential win and one after a potential loss. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to pretend the game just ended and you're listening to the walkout. Are you ready? All right, welcome to the latest edition of The Walkout. Pony Jr., Jay Morrison here. Jay in Vegas. Jay, did yes. you win along with the Bengals? I did not. I did not. But the <laughs> Bengals won. Everything is right. The, the losing streak is over. They are back on track. Um, maybe maybe order your playoff tickets, people. I, 
you have to start thinking that way, right? I mean, yeah. you're you're now six and four. You are in first place. You know, the Bears beat the Ravens at home as you thought maybe they would, as the Ravens have been struggling. <laughs> the, the Steelers obviously struggled against Justin Herbert. He lights them up. Now you're in first place. Five of the, your next six are at home. You got off that ugly streak of losses between the Jets and Cleveland. You had the bye to get yourself set. You you have set the table for yourself. You're in the middle, the thick of the playoff picture. You got a big road game. Culture went out and won you a game. You How can you not feel great about the direction of this season going forward right now, Jay? I, yeah, I mean, four wins on the road already, and you still yeah, have you two more to go. On that. You got stats on that? I do have stats on that. It's significant. I mean, if you win four road games in this league, you are on your way. And it's the Bengals only 15 times previously in their in their history had won four games on the road. And they made the playoffs in 10 of those 15 years. So that's 67 percent. I think anybody will take that league wide. It's even better. It's 71 percent over the last five years. I wasn't going to go back to 68 league wide. But over the last five years, 77 teams have won at least four road games in a season, and 55 of them made the playoffs. And and the Bengals still have two road games to go. Does anybody think they can't win in Denver? Does anybody, after what we saw today, does anybody think they can't win at Cleveland? I mean, if you get up and you win five road games in a season, playoff chances go to 84%. If they somehow sweep the Raiders or the Sweep the Broncos and the Browns and get to six wins, 93% chance. You only need to play the home games. You're going to the playoffs <laughs> if you beat the Broncos should. and the Browns. <laughs> All right. There's a nice tone. That's a, see, there's a nice tone. There's a winning, that's the winning tone, the winning feel. People can plug that into their memory banks for the feeling that they want to have. Uh, should the Bengals find a way to win against the Raiders? And that, all of that is true. It, it is the ultimate tone and table setter. To set to feel great about the second half of the season and the playoffs and where you're at. Now let's roll the dice the other way. All right, welcome into the latest edition of the Walkout. Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison of the Athletic. Jay, how was Vegas? Did you win? Even though the Bengals lost, I did not. <laughs> I. I <laughs> I can't find my phone. I can't find my wallet. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to get to the airport to get home. And the season's over. Three three losses in a row. They're back to 500. They are who we, we thought they were. What a disappointing weekend. You know, anybody here that's ever gone to Vegas knows how tough that flight back is after you've taken a massive L over the weekend. It's long. It's in the middle of the night. Everybody else at the airport is sad. You've got the sad grandma pulling the like slots, trying to trying to win the nickels back at the very end in McCarran. You know, there's just it's and that's that's the epitome of what that Bengals flight back tonight is going to be like, because how can you not look you now have not have zero wins, zero winning feeling between Halloween and Thanksgiving. You've re, this is full tailspin mode. 
You know, everything you thought you were at five and two, you've gone full tailspin since that great day in Baltimore, unable to handle success. You just blew an opportunity against a team that had also lost two in a row, that had all kinds of problems coming in. You know, interim coach, you name it. And you blow an opportunity to to go win a big game. The only thing you've got is this string of home games, but it's hard to feel good about the direction of the team right now as they continue to struggle. Yeah, oh, by the way, a Pittsburgh team is next that has owned the Bengals, last year's Monday night game aside, at Paul Brown Stadium. A Pittsburgh team that's playing way better than the last time the Bengals faced them when Tyler Boyd basically accused them of quitting. They're going to be coming in angry. Um, it's this, the, this game was there to win and they didn't do it. And the, the schedule only gets harder from here. It gets more comfortable because it's at home, but the games are going to be harder. It just, it, it feels like this was a major turning point and, uh, maybe some people need to start turning their sights to 2022. There are a lot of teams in the middle. And they all are starting to differentiate themselves. And this was a differentiator between another team. By the way, you now don't have the tiebreaker against when you inevitably finish eight and nine or nine and eight or whatever you do, trying to make that sneak into the playoffs if that's where this thing ends. Because you got to, it, you know, it's a it's a tough road to nine, ten wins. If that's really where you want to go, you're going to end up in a big old mess, just like it's a big old mess right now in the AFC. You just hurt yourself with an AFC loss and a loss against a team that you're probably going to end up tied with, <laughs> or is a good chance of it. And that's a, even a, a, a double whammy on you. Just a devastating day in Vegas. Sad, sad flight home. A lot of fans can commiserate with that. How's that feel, Bengals fans? How's the difference in the tone between those two? <laughs> Now, it's not, you know, we we make a big deal out of how you feel after wins and losses and you ride the emotional roller coaster and because you event you do have to go game to game and I thought a lot of what the Bengals were talking about on Wednesday was good and just you just have to stay game to game this time of year. You have to. And that's all great. Um but it makes it a whole lot easier to stay game to game when you don't feel like you are avalanching in one direction. You know, it's a lot easier to stay one game at a time when you haven't lost three in a row and haven't had the winning feeling since October 24th. You know, you just, it, it makes, it makes such a huge difference. I, I just hope I didn't speak into existence, a lost phone and wallet. I like here's what I like the most about that exercise, Jay, is that even in like the the positive scenario, you're still like, oh yeah, I lost all my money. Like I, you have, there is no thought that even in the best case scenario, you'll have won a couple hundred bucks or something. It just doesn't happen when you go there, and I don't plan on playing a lot. I, I'm I like I said, I've got guardrails built in. I've got I got the helicopter ride. I've got a hockey game. I've got a restaurant that my dad told me I need to go to. I've got a lot of college football I want to watch on Saturday. I, I think I'll be fine. My hotel does not have a casino, so I'm going to try to try to not lose. Try to not find places to lose. I just I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about the best case scenario. Did you win, Jay? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, here, I, I have a thought here, and I want to, and I'm curious because I haven't actually even spoken this to you um, yet. So I'm curious if you disagree with me. Um, this is a Zach Taylor game. I, I, I think this is this one's on his shoulders. Here's why. <laughs> 
you have two weeks to plan. Okay. Get the team motivated after the break on the road. It's a, this is a long road trip. You know, there's a lot on the coach to get the team feeling right after a bye, after two straight losses, get everything back going in the right direction, doing the self-scout to figure out how to make yourself play better as a team. Jay, you mentioned, you have written about and mentioned the streak of losses after buys. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that he needs to break the tradition of the past, what, they, they have winning streaks against the Steelers, they have winning streaks in primetime, all the things you've held over their head. And could they now have a win coming off of a bye, which has been an issue? A lot of that, all those types of things are, are very much on the head coach. I mean, there's a lot of offensive adjustments, too, in dealing with this turnover issue with Burrow. They're also in play here and figuring that out and coaching that out. You know, the quarterback coach relationship needs to show itself as they go into the second half, and he needs to be better at protecting the ball. He talk, he's talked about it. They've talked about it. Point of emphasis. Can, can you can you make that work? This is another, is a Vegas team that's very similar to you. Mm-hmm. And their year is similar to you. But they have an interim staff. You should have a coaching advantage with the continuity that you have in your staff, with how many games you've coached together. You're healthier. You know, this is going to be a telling second half of the season about judging Zach Taylor. Can you progress a team to get better during the year? We don't know. We've never had that opportunity because they've been bad and the games haven't mattered, Mm -hmm. you know, or they didn't have their quarterback. And so we don't know what Zach Taylor is at progressing a team from good to playoffs during a year. If he can do that, we've seen, we've seen a lot of positives this year to get him back to relevancy but this is about progressing a team, about the ability to make a team get better during the season. Bella chicking, okay? <laughs> Use the first month to figure out what you got and then build it from there to be peaking at the right time. Does he have any of that in them? We've never really been able to judge him on that. That starts Sunday. And so, you know, what's your response to the adversity? And it's the chip is back on the shoulder. This is a culture game. It's about what is what is your culture? How where does that show itself? This we've talked about that. So for all of those things, like all of that stuff, that's such a big part of the stew of this game against the Raiders. It points back to the head coach, and I think this is a Zach Taylor game. I think you put a lot of it on him. I I agree with that to a large extent. I mean, it is the the culture part of it. The the coming back from the bye, you, you break a routine and and. You know, it, the players said all the right thing on Monday, but it's still up to Zach and the coaching staff to to have them ready for this game. These are the kind of games you you make a long trip, and it just they just have this history of coming out flat after the bye. Uh, so a big part of that is on him. I I still though a lot of times when you put a game on a coach, it. It's because you're playing a better team and you need to out scheme them and outperform them. And, and and I don't know that's the case here. I I I think the the Bengals are the better team, even though the records are identical, the way they got to the records are almost identical. But Ngakwe and Crosby aside, that's not a great Raiders defense. And, and so as much as as much of this game is on Zach, I think a lot's on the players too, because they they should be able to go out and, and score on this Raiders defense. And then it's up to the 
the Bengals defense, which has been pretty bad the last two weeks. It's, it's, you know, much of this is on Lou as it is on Zach of getting that side of it fixed. Um, but you're right. It, it all starts with the attitude, with the approach, with the preparation. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. They, they have not played well in first quarters this year. And, and that could be a big indicator. If they're losing after the first quarter, if they're slugging their way through a scoreless first quarter, you, you start to wonder how the game's going to go. If they, if they come out and score on their opening drive, you could see a, a, a scenario where they kind of just take control of that game, kind of like the Baltimore game and, and win it running away. Well, I mean, you get into a game against a team that has really struggled in the fourth quarter. You know, the Bengals have, you've got those numbers. What are the fourth quarter numbers? Yeah. So the, 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 the fourth quarter has been the Bengals best quarter offensively. They, they are tied for eighth in the league with 76 points in the fourth quarter. The Raiders it's their worst quarter defensively. They've given up 93 points in the fourth quarter. That's tied for the fourth most in the league. So if that plays out, you feel like you've got the advantage already in the fourth quarter. So if you can, if you can capitalize on where you've been weak in the first quarter, you could really do some damage and, and not be sweating this one out at the end. I, you know, I, I predicting this league is stupid. Yeah. Like anybody watching this league over the last three weeks, predicting anything is asinine. And, and I, we said the same thing before the Browns game. I say it again, though. I, I, I would be stunned if this game is not insanely close at the end. Yeah. This is a one turnover, one bounce, one call game to me. I just think these, there, there's just so many, there's just these teams are so similar. And they're in such similar situations, and I just it feels like something that's just going to come down to 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 the end. So, so let's talk about turnovers because you know to me, it it's I think this is where this is going to be about. It's so much about where the Bengals are at in their season right now. We talked about with Joe Burrow. I I did a one more quick look into the interceptions thing, and it's something that we we knew and we talked about, and I've belabored it probably, but I just want to point this out. The last five Joe Burrow interceptions all have one thing in common, Jay. Do you know what they are? Mm. Plus side of the field? They were all intended for Jamar Chase. Ah. The last five interceptions were all intended for Jamar Chase. Four of those five were on third down targets for Jamar Chase. The only other one was the blind faith throw in against the Jets that Shaq Lawson put up in the air mm. on first and 10. So essentially, you know, what you have been doing wrong, turning the ball over, throwing it for a month and a half has been what? Throwing a Jamar Chase on third down. That's Tyler Boyd's down. <laughs> Do I have to keep saying this? <laughs> I, this is not, again, Jamar Chase is great. They should be featuring him. He should have the most targets every game. Don't be afraid to throw less to him on third down. You don't have to lean into him there. It's fine. Use your third down weapon more all the time. I know people are so sick of hearing this from me. I'm sorry. It's just, it's, a, it's a, the thing is watch third downs. On Sunday, mm -hmm. guys, watch third downs, particularly passing downs. 
Uh, those interceptions were third and four, third and five, third and 16, third and 20. All intended for Jamar Chase, all intercepted. Um, and so keep an eye on thirds, really of any range, but specifically when you get in a third and long. Shoving balls into Jamar Chase, throwing at Jamar Chase all the time. And, and how many of those go to Boyd? How many do they run plays for Boyd? What, what do those look like? Is that where the turnovers come from? Because it's where they've been coming from. And if it's about taking those out of the game to win the game, let's let's watch and see what happens on those downs on Sunday. Yeah, Brian Callahan made an interesting point, though, where Jamar Chase was doing so much damage and everybody assumed that he would start getting doubled. And, and he said that's not been the case. They are not rolling coverage towards Jamar. They are They are doubling Tyler Boyd. That is still the guy, particularly on third down, that defenses are trying to take away. And so, you know, is as good as Tyler Boyd is on third down, do you, do you want Burrow throwing into double coverage in those situations? Maybe it's not Tyler Boyd. Maybe it's C.J. Uzama. Maybe it's T. Higgins is the guy that needs to come up big on third down if you're going to go away from Jamar Chase. But that's, that is interesting. I didn't realize that, that they've all been targeted for Jamar. And it's I which one the the pick six that was that a third and goal? The pick six was third and goal from third, the three. From the three, yes. yeah. Yes. I didn't. I was thinking that was earlier because I, I remember that he had the early down one in Baltimore. We just threw it up for grabs in the end zone, and um, it 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 is something that they 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 need to get fixed because you can't as as great as that chemistry is you can't just rely on one guy in the same situation over and over again and it will be interesting to see what what the Raiders do and there's maybe not a defensive coordinator in the league that knows Joe Burrow better than Gus Bradley Hmm. because Joe Burrow's dad and Gus Bradley go way back Joe Burrow's dad got Gus Bradley his first job in coaching um, they are really good friends. Joe, the first NFL game Joe Burrow ever attended was a Seahawks game in Cleveland, where his dad took him up there to go watch Gus Bradley coach. It's just um, you saw it last year. Gus Bradley was with the Chargers, and yes, it was Joe Burrow's first start, but it was it was maybe his one. Yeah, you know, won his worst game because Baltimore beat him up, but he he did not play well in that first game. So that that's going to be an interesting matchup there to see how Gus Bradley defends Burrow in this Bengals offense, knowing Burrow as well as he does. A lot was made of the Raiders Sunday night game against the Chiefs, how teams have sat back in these deep shells um, and forced the Chiefs to throw everything underneath them. But the Raiders just don't do a lot of that. They, they like to play single high. They, you know, they're, they're not sitting back with everything underneath them all the time. And the Chiefs obviously <laughs> found some rhythm uh, in that game. Patrick Mahomes tore it up a little bit. Um, I'm curious to see how much of that they'll get a chance to push the ball downfield a little bit more, a chance to take advantage of some safeties that have had some issues, um, you know, a chance to use Chris Evans against some of their coverage guys that have had a lot of issues um, on running backs out of the backfield. We saw that their their secondary can certainly be exposed fairly quickly, um, and, and I and I like. I like the matchup of strength on strength here. I, if I've said this all year, if you're playing the Bengals and you have a good pass rush, I hope your best pass rushers are your edge guys. That's where, at mm-hmm. least that's where the Bengals are strong. 
Riley Reef is top five in the NFL in pass, pass block run win percentage. And Jonah Williams has been really solid on the left side. Just came off a game where he really did a good job against Miles Garrett, you know, considering he's Miles Garrett. And, you know, this is a very, another matchup like that. And I'll take that. I'll take that over the Aaron Donalds and uh, defensive tackles of the world that can get after you any day, considering I just, I just think that's a good matchup for this team to take advantage of. Yeah. Just keep an eye on Solomon Thomas, the former number, not former, no, he was a number one pick and uh, he's, He's going to be one of the guys coming up the middle um, against Adenogy and Hopkins, and that's that's where the that's where the pressure is going to come from. It feels like in this game, you, yes, Ngakwe and and Crosby will get home from time to time, but you're right. I do I do think it's going to be a much better matchup on the edge, and I, I can't remember, but it, it feels like that game in Oakland a couple of years ago was it was kind of Max Crosby's breakout game. I mean, he just I don't remember even really knowing much about him and then he just he was just dominant against the Bengals in in that game in Oakland so it, it, it's got that what the Bengals do on third down which direction they go and then how they handle that pass rush are going to be two of the things to really watch in this game that's a good opportunity to reflect on the fact that we never have to go back to Oakland again oh thank God just the worst facility ever I would rather lose five hundred dollars in Vegas than win a hundred in Oakland All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, um, th- we're talking a lot about the Raiders, so let's go to the expert. Um, Jay, you uh, you caught up with Vic uh, on Wednesday, right? So we'll uh, we, yeah. we 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 didn't we didn't make him get up at like five a.m. <laughs> to to come join us this morning. So uh, here's your conversation with our guy uh, Vic Tafer uh, out in Vegas. Vic, how are you today? Doing good, man. How you doing? Doing well. Looking forward to the trip out there. Um, you've covered the Raiders for a long time, right? 
Yeah, this is uh, eleven years now, so I've seen uh, I've seen a lot over over my time. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine there's been a year more. Maybe there has. I don't know. It's a pretty pretty active team, but there, I can't imagine there's been a year where there's been more to cover off the field than there has been this year. Has there? Uh, there have been some years that have been very eventful, but nothing compares to obviously the coach um, being forced to quit, and then you know the horrible tragedy with uh, Henry Ruggs and Tina Tintor. I mean, that's something that you still can't quite process. Just the you know the tragedy of it all. So no, I have that. It's definitely been a unique year in, in terms of that. I mean the, the Damon Arnett thing too. Yeah. Uh, what there was what several front office members that resigned, and then you have the yeah. Carl Nassib coming out. I mean, it's what, what yeah. percentage of your time do you think is dedicated to covering? Off the field stuff this year. Yeah, it's been a lot. I mean, you mentioned like the thing people kind of forget was that you know Mark Bedane, the team president, was kind of forced to resign uh, back before the stadium you know had their big first game this year. The big with the fans coming back in this year, so uh, there was some tax problems, some accounting issues. But he was the you know the, the, in terms of uh, this franchise, the way it was run. You know, Mark Bedane did everything on the business side, and John Gruden did everything on the football side. That was there were two guys who ran the whole thing. Mark Davis is kind of you know rubber stamp things and the final say, obviously. But those two guys did the day-to-day stuff as far as, you know, personnel and, and business side stuff. So to lose both those guys in the span of, of three months definitely has been a huge uh, earthquake uh, throughout that building. Well, I mean, I was curious. What has what has been the biggest difference that you've seen on the field with, with Rich Basaccia, right? That's how you say it, Basaccia? Yeah. With him taking over, I mean, what is it – just kind of plug and play, or is, has the, the team have a different look with him in charge? Pretty much. I think that was one of the, you know, they won the first two games under Rich, and I think mm-hmm. the thing everyone liked about that or was, was complimenting them was about the continuity. They kind of kept the playbook intact. You know, Gus Bradley ran the defense, Greg Olson ran the offense, called the plays an offense. So it was kind of the players didn't uh, feel too much of like things were, you know, kind of crumbling down around them with, you know, with John being gone. But, uh, and, and, and Olson cranked, he tweaked a little bit in terms of the playbook. They definitely ran some more. Play action the first two weeks and some more screen plays. Maybe took away some of the plays. It was a huge playbook under, under Gruden. Kind of cut some things back a little bit. But and everyone, you know, the, the fans are so quick to react to everything. Uh, so that after those first two wins, the fans are like, ah, oh, you know, John Gruden's holding us back. You know, we're better now. That he's gone. Our offense, <laughs> we can't be stopped. <clears throat> but now they've lost two games, and so all of a sudden. You know, Greg Olson's an idiot, and Rich Passaccia is terrible. So it just shows you the way things can change so fast in this league. But I do think under Rich, continuity was a big thing. He's a very popular coach among the players, kind of a guy everyone can talk to about things on and off the field. Because, you know, when you're coaching special teams, you talk to more players than most coaches do. Like, you, you have your hands mm-hmm. on the more guys. It's, yeah. So I just think that's been good for him as far as taking over the, the reins of the, of the whole thing. I imagine that was one of the biggest factors why they did that because he does have that contact with everybody because I, I kind of thought when I heard about Gruden that it would be Gus Bradley, a guy with, with head coaching experience. But, um, you know, that, that has not been the case. And now you mentioned them going two and two, uh, starting five and two, now five and four. Bengals fans can relate to that. It's the exact same spot that the Bengals are in. Uh, this really sets up kind of a – it's a big game for sure. I don't know. You can say it's an elimination game, but really it feels the way things are right now with both these franchises that, that the difference between six and four and five and five is, is pretty significant. You see it that way. Yeah, I agree. Especially when you, you don't want to look ahead, but in terms of the Raiders, they have this game and they play on a short week 
at Dallas on Thanksgiving. So that's going to be a hard game to win. So if you if you lose this one against the Bengals, now you're looking at possibly a four-game losing streak. When And historically, the last two years, this team has kind of collapsed after strong starts. So that would be an alarming um, pattern again this year that's kind of being followed. So I think for their own sake, their own confidence and, and not thinking, oh, my God, here we go again, this really is a, a big game for the Raider players on Sunday. You know, you mentioned rugs, and I don't want to make light of the situation because it was a horrible tragedy, but but there is a football element to losing a guy like that. How significant is his absence for this offense? It is big. I think uh, they're trying to work into Sean Jackson. It kind of gives you that same you know kind of top end speed. Even Deshaun Jackson's older, but he's still fast. I think he saw he made a catch and he had a fumble on, on the game this past weekend, but. In terms of his speed and ability to stretch the field, they kind of need that. So I think they'll see more of him this weekend. I think that opens up things for Darren Waller underneath because teams will bracket coverage Darren Waller underneath and make it hard for him to hurt him. And so I think Deshaun Jackson or Ruggs beforehand would kind of keep that safety a little more honest as far as not being able to, to, to kind of uh, shadow Waller a little bit. So uh, definitely the Ruggs uh, loss was huge both you know, on and off the field, and they hope Deshaun Jackson can kind of pick that up uh, as, as they go forward. I think one of the biggest questions I have, and maybe one of the biggest questions Raiders fans have, maybe one of the biggest questions that people in the front office in Las Vegas had, is is how good is Derek Carr? It's a great question. I think uh, Raider fans are split. They've been split for a while. I think you, like this is you can look at this just this year by itself. I mean, two weeks ago, he was getting some MVP hype around the league. The national guys were chiming in like Derek Carr's having an MVP-type year. He's been a leader. He was helping them deal with the Gruden loss and the rug situation and kind of been just that guy for them. But now they're 5-4. and four. They've lost two in a row. He's not played well the last two weeks. He had some really bad throws against the Giants. Wasn't that bad last week, but wasn't able to really capitalize on some opportunities. So I think the obvious blame goes to him when fans get fired up about how bad they were. So... Um, he's definitely has gotten better every year under John Gruden. I think he's definitely been more aggressive. He's definitely been better making plays with his feet and not kind of being lost in the pocket or kind of you know, giving up too easy on, on play. So I think he's gotten better. He has you know really good arm strength. He's a pretty accurate quarterback. He's very smart. So, I mean, two weeks ago, I would have said he's a top 12 quarterback. I'm not sure that's changed despite the last two weeks. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that, um, Mark Davis, I'm sure has that same question in his mind because they got to decide on his future. He's got one year left on his deal. So this off season, they'll have to give him a lot of money if they decide he's the guy going forward. So I think it's really a big eight game stretch, uh, for him as, as well. I mean, you look at the numbers and the, the Raiders are what number two in pass offense and number 28 in rush offense. Is it? Is it the disparity that large? Or is it just that they they don't? Because that's just based on total yards for you know people that are listening that may not understand where how those rankings are actually composed. But I mean, is it have they struggled that badly to run the ball, or is it they're just choosing not to and they're just totally relying on Derek's arm? You no, know, they struggled, and I think the the big problem for them has been the offensive line. I think, um, and, and also in terms of just going back to Derek Carr in the last two weeks, the protection's not been that great the last two weeks. He haven't had a lot of time, so I think you look back at, this, at the um, just before the season started, they lost both their guards, uh, Denzel Good and Richie Incognito to injury. Denzel Good's out for the year. Richie is supposed to be back by now, but he's had a setback. He has a calf injury, and at his age, you know, a setback can definitely. Uh, be a big deal. So they, they pretty much had to do that. Their two starting guards, they moved uh, their rookie first round pick, Alex Leatherwood, from right tackle to guard because he was also not doing that well at tackle. He's been better at guard, 
but still not great. But So the other line is definitely struggling to give him any kind of push up front, which is why Josh Jacobs didn't have a lot of room to run. I think in terms of personnel, you would think that both Jacobs and Kenyon Drake would be able to have impact in the running game, but uh, so far they haven't. So that definitely will be a big, I think, to-do list thing uh, this weekend. You know, flipping to the defensive side, I think that uh, that's where a lot of the concern is for Bengals fans because it, you Joe Burrow can only take so many hits, and the 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 risk of those go up significantly this week. There's been a lot of talk this week about do the Raiders a lot of talk here in Cincinnati. Do the Raiders have the best tandem of defensive ends in the league? And I guess either their first or second. And the other one is the team the Bengals just played with the Browns with with Garrett and Clowney. Um, how do you see it? Do you, do you think those guys are the best in the league, the best tandem? Yeah, they're really good. I mean, they came in this year. That was kind of their goal. And people kind of laughed at them when they said it. But they've been really, really good. I think Crosby has been in an amazing shape. He came in, fired up. And Gakwe's got something to prove. I think last week, as the Chiefs was the first week, didn't have a huge impact on the game. I think the Chiefs were able to use a lot of quick screen plays to kind of get the bit of the ball pretty quickly. A lot of play action, so I think you still saw Crosby flash at times, but they weren't the dominant forces they had been. Both those guys the pre you know the previous week, so I think that'll be a big factor this this weekend. I think get the, the pressure and get the hits on on Joe Burrow because they really are two of the of the very best in the league right now. And the Bengals tackles have held up pretty well. The issues have been up the middle, the guards and the centers, or the center. Um, w- do, do the Raiders bring a lot of push, a lot of blitzes up the up the middle, and how are their tackles? Pretty good. I think they, Jonathan Hankins is more of a run-stuffing guy, but uh, Quentin Jefferson's played well for him. He has a little push. And then Solomon Thomas, I think, has, a I want to say, four sacks. He's been pretty good in the pass rush as well. He's a former first-round pick who kind of uh, didn't do well with the Niners, but he's kind of had a second life here and definitely taken advantage of it. So their defensive line has a good uh, – Good mix of guys, good rotation. They have some good depth. You mentioned Carl Nassib. He's played, played pretty well off the bench on the edge. And uh, Darius Phylon was pretty good also. He got hurt. He's not there anymore. But um, they have a pretty good mix. The D-line definitely is the strength of this of this defense. So I think that will be – I'm sure they take it personally last week. They weren't able to have an effect in that game last week. I'm sure they want to uh, on Sunday. All right. Well, lastly for you here, I guess just the, in your mind, the the biggest issue or the the – the biggest thing or two that that the Raiders haven't been able to do in this two game losing streak that they need to do Sunday against the Bengals to to be that team that goes to six to four and drop the Bengals to five and five. Yeah, I think it goes back to the O line. I think when they've been okay this year, the Raiders have won games, and when they've struggled, either both you know getting any kind of push in their run game or also also giving Carr some time back there, they've lost. So I think. Um, you know, it's a very uh, young – John Simpson's a guy, you know, second-year guard at the Clemson. He's been kind of up and down. Andre James, he replaced Randy Hudson, also up and down at, at center. So it's hard to really count on those guys to like, say, hey, these guys are gonna are getting better every week. And it's kind of been, you know, widely uh, sporadic. So I think if they can hold up this weekend and, and give Derek some time and, and give Josh and, and Kenyon some room, then they, they should be in better shape. But, again, when they've, when the games they've lost, it's because the O-line has not played well. Sounds like these two teams have a lot more in common than just the records. Uh, Hey, Vic, I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and uh, look forward to catching up with you in the press box on Sunday. All right, cool, man. See you Sunday. Anything stand out to you that surprised you from that, Jay? Um, I wouldn't say things surprised me. I I just feel for that guy. I feel for anybody covering this Raiders team. I mean, it is one thing after another. I mean, once Antonio Brown was gone a couple years ago, they probably thought they could exhale and – 
this year. And I don't want to make light of it. As I mentioned when I talked to Vic, I mean, someone died. It was a horrible situation, the Henry Ruggs thing. But, I mean, the the coach resigns. Three front office members resign. Uh, even, you know, Carl Nassib comes out as the first openly gay current NFL player. Um, a, a positive story, but still yet another off-the-field story that – that needs to be reported on with this franchise. It's just, it just seems like it's one thing after another and your, your time split 50, 50, almost. It seems like reporting on what's going on on the field and what's going on off the field. It's, it, it, it's nice to have a franchise like the Bengals that are a little more quiet in that regard. This year, these two teams have been very, very similar on the field and the exact opposite <laughs> of it. <laughs> yes. The Bengals have been the quiet, no distraction, good culture, like happy-go-lucky, you know, under-the-radar storyline. And the Raiders have been front and center distraction central. Not, and again, not making light to call it even a distraction feels like something you shouldn't even say. But, you know, just been full of all the other stuff besides football. And... um it's 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 just a, a wild as these two teams come against each other on Sunday. All right, let's get into some game stuff here. And uh, all right, Bengals growler bet. Uh, of course, uh, we're we're back at doing the doing the growler bet hashtag Bengals growler bet on Twitter or send me an email p daner p d e h n e r at theathletic.com. Please make sure the word growler is in your subject header. That's how I search it in the emails. Okay, this week, Jay, I'm going to give you credit. You wanted it to be more sadistic than I did and came up with it. So <laughs> what did you come up with? I want you to take credit for this. All right, this is this is kind of a classic one um, with a twist. You, it's a time of game one. We love the time of game growler bets, but you have to pick from three options, which will happen first. And then pick what the game, what the time of game is when it happens. So your three options are Joe Burrow gets sacked, Joe Burrow gets intercepted, or Joe Burrow throws a touchdown pass. So which of those occurs first, and what will be the time on the clock at the snap of said play? You need to be within five seconds. Let it be known, I wanted to make it 10 because I said, look, Jay, let's be nice to these people. They're our, they are our tried and true listeners. <laughs> we need to embrace them more and show them love. Let's say 10 seconds, already three prongs. We should give them more time. And Jay said, no, way less. No. Five seconds. How about, so. if, how about if I come out ahead before the game? Then, then we we up it to ten, no. depending on. <laughs> no, no. I think we'll just we'll see if anybody comes closer. We'll see if the that five second differential that you decided to impart on our listeners <laughs> ends up being the difference between somebody being happy and sad about this. I, I think a lot of people can come within ten seconds. I think most people are going to pick first quarter. I, are you? You going first quarter? Uh, I'm not. No. I'm not because I like to be different. Uh, I'm going to say Burrow touchdown and I'm going to say 10, 12 second quarter. All right. I think they're going to go zip, zip, zip opening drive, touchdown Burrow touchdown pass somebody other than chase. And it'll come 
at the Paladrone time of 10.01 of the first quarter. Wow. Of course. Every time. <laughs> I still need a thing. I got no thing. <laughs> uh, all right. So send those in again on Twitter to us. Hashtag Bengals GrowlerBet. Get it to us by kickoff. Uh, or you can send your submission to me on email, pdaner at theathletic.com. And if you win, delicious 50 US beer could be yours. We discussed Christmas cookie out in cans now. You get yourself some Christmas cookie. Uh, all right. We've got a run passer boot. Readers submitted leftover from our RP, all RPB episode. I'm exa- still exhausted from that on Tuesday. Jay. <laughs> it was, it was fun, a, but it was, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a, to, to have yourself prepared and all the research you want to do on each one. And, and you're, it's just a long episode. Thanks to everybody that, that, that listened. I enjoyed it, but it is, it, it, I'm still exhausted. <laughs> um, but there was one that was game centric that we wanted to use. And it is run passer boot, Jay. This one from Governor Chief. Good to have Governor Chief back on the show. Uh, Bengals defensive sacks. Joe Burrow touchdowns. Raiders turnovers. This run passer boot could be, I would argue, maybe the deciding, the deciding numbers of these games are all very relevant. All very relevant numbers. Sacks. Less so, but you know the idea of sacks certainly. What what do you think? I do. I agree with you. I think it is going to be very relevant. Um, the the Bengals have struggled to force turnovers. Um, I, I don't necessarily see that coming to an end, but I, I, I I'm going to say Bengals defensive sacks just because they've been pretty good at getting pressure. I, I think the Bengals have a chance to put the, the past by hangovers behind them, come out fast. I just predicted it in the growler bet that they're going to score on their opening drive. If they can get on top early and really kind of unleash that pass rush, I think they can get to Derek Carr a few times, maybe in the 4-5 range. Um, so I'll run with defensive sacks. I'm going to... I'm going to pass on Raiders turnovers and I'm going to boot Burrow TDs. I I think even though I've got him throwing one on the opening drive of the game, this Raiders defense is 28th against the run. Um, This could be a Joe Mixon game. They've, they've, they've talked about it, wanting to get more explosives out of him. Um, Maybe Hakeem Adeniji is, something that will unlock that run game a little bit better against the run than Jackson Carmen. Um, so I'll do that. I'm going to, I'm going to go maybe contrarian here and, and run with defensive sacks, pass on Raiders turnovers and boot Burrow TDs. Okay. Uh, here's the thing about defensive sacks. Uh, the Raiders offensive line is not super. They are mm-hmm. not very good uh, running the ball. And the Bengals obviously have been pretty good cons- for the most part you know, alien Nick Chubb withstanding uh, of stopping the run this year. And I think they will. And I think it'll put them in a lot of third and longs. And I think they have the guys that can take advantage of that. Um, so I'm going to, I will say sacks. I'll put it at four, four sacks. Uh, and then I will pass on Burrow passing touchdowns. I'm going to give him three passing touchdowns. 
Um, and then I'll I'll boot the turnovers. I I think I think the Raiders will have one one turnover. So that's that's my that's my guess. Um, all right, prediction time and explanation time. Jay, you you start off. Oh boy, um, I I think they win. I go I'm going against my belief and never bet against the trend. And they've been so bad after the buy, but it just, I don't know. It feels like the culture's different. It it feels like this isn't playing the saints or the Ravens or the Steelers who were their, their post buy opponents the last three years, which is why they got blown out as bad as they did. Um, I'm going to say 31, 21 Bengals. Wow. Yep. Didn't didn't I see you pick the Raiders in one of our expert pick things? Um, you are know, you going against yourself. I am. And, and you know the thing with that; those are due at six p.m. on Tuesday. They, <laughs> they shouldn't make you pick that early. I know. That's my thought. And so they just sent out the standings this week. I had no idea where I. They, I that's the first time I'd seen standings, and um, surprise, I'm in last place. Oh no, <laughs> but I, I really, I don't, it's like Tuesday. I just kind of zip. I, I pick home teams in that a lot and I, I don't put a lot of thought. I know I should, but it's like, it's Tuesday. I haven't even started analyzing these games. I haven't even started analyzing the Bengals upcoming game, let alone all these other games. So yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to cover both my bases there. I can say I was right one way or the other. So the, the point is you changed your opinion of what would happen in this game between Tuesday night at 6 o'clock and Thursday morning here at 10 a.m., which only goes to show that the Bengals have brainwashed you, Jay. <laughs> Drinking right. the Kool-Aid. Spent two hours down there yesterday watching practice and talking That's to players. Right. and Hearing from players, getting all the good. Yeah, I see you. Zach won me over saying he's a craps player. That's true. That was pretty good. Um, I have the Bengals winning. Uh this is an absolute one bounce, one kick, one bad call game. I, I, mm. I just, it feels like it. I have Bengals 30, Raiders 27. Um, McPherson at the gun, potentially. Uh, but either way, it just, it just feels so close. Two very closely matched teams, similar situations, a lot of desperation. You mentioned the fourth quarter, fourth quarter points. I think you could see uh, one of those fourth quarter rallies. Some Joe Burrow magic potential, trying to take advantage of that Raiders secondary. Either way, um, I think you're going to be on the edge of your seat to the end of this one. And um, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Burrow. Burrow does what I what I said at the very beginning of the year. Don't bet against Joe Burrow. They still got number nine. They still got a lot of belief every time he's out there, and when their backs against the wall. And when everybody's wondering, talking about culture and a big game and a big moment and a tone setter, don't bet against number nine. So I'm not going to. Bengals 30, Raiders 27. All right. That wraps us up. Again, we will have the walkout uh, Sunday night following the game in Vegas. You've already heard the open for each week. Should we just <laughs> see how close the, the the fake one we did ends up being with the, the one afterwards? I mean, you Maybe you've already heard it, a version of it. Either way, Jay, Jay loses. Now, although, Jay, enjoy the helicopter trip. Shout out Paul Malloy, our London boy, uh, who's a great friend of the program. And uh, enjoy. Hopefully someone walks up to you to help you or buy you a beer or have a drink with you to have a friend at the Jackets Knights game on Saturday night. And that stay away from great. tables. I, I, yeah, 
I'm not completely. I'm just saying I'm not going to live at them. There it is. <laughs> it's I've already flipped. Oh, just a little bit. Just one. <laughs> just one little. Just one little hour. That's one all. shoe. What could I? What damage could I do with that amount of time? <laughs> Three days later, your shirt's off. You're waving it above your head, screaming all in in the middle of the Rio. There's a tiger in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Jay. Uh, we will talk to y'all on Sunday night. Everybody, enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy, and uh, everybody that's going out there to Vegas, stay safe. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one, everybody.